Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week is a fun one. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have always wondered whose voice was actually coming out of Michael J. Fox's mouth when Marty McFly was singing Johnny Be Good at the end of Back to the Future. Well, uh, I went and answered that question, and the, the man's name is Mark Campbell, and that's this week's guest. Mark is also the front man for Jack Mack and the Heart Attack, which is interesting because I... I knew Jack Mack and I knew Marty McFly, but I didn't know the same person was doing that. If you remember Jack Mack and the Heart Attack, Max Carl was their original lead singer. He was on the show a couple years ago and he talked about it. When he left to go solo, Mark took over. Well, in 1985, Mark not only lent his voice to Marty McFly, but the band also appeared in, I don't know if you guys remember this, but you know my fixation with movies, especially 80s ones, they appeared in Tough Turf. Do you remember that kind of obscure teen angst movies, movie from 1985? Well, we talk all about this. I mean, Jack Mack and the Heart Attack was, you know, sort of the it band for like Hollywood parties and get-togethers. And uh, to this day, Mark does a lot of voiceover work. Thankfully, Back to the Future also pays really well, but that's also what he does. Well, I thought it would be really interesting to get to know all the details, how he was selected to be in Back to the Future, um, you know, who else was up for it, was it all one take, was he in the room, all these kinds of things. I just get into the minutiae of that, the creation of that song, the recording of it, and thankfully he was a sport and let me do that. They put out a new album, Jack Mack and the Heart Attack did, uh, two years ago called Back to the Shack, and it's great. If you love that roots-based American rock and roll, with soul and horns, please check out Jack Mack's whole catalog, but especially Back to the Shack. All right? Anyway, I thought this would be a fun conversation. Unfortunately, the sound is not great. I think maybe he had me on speakerphone and might have been walking around the room. I'm not sure because sometimes it's clear and sometimes it's a little faint. I hope you can make it out. Anyway, good guy called me from his home in L.A. So for starters, let's get the stuff, let's talk about Back to the Future. I'm sure you've been asked it a million times. I personally yeah. don't know the story, and I and I purposely did not go look it up before talking, because then what yeah. would we have to talk about? So okay. I want to know everything, but start from the beginning. How did you get selected? Okay, it went like this, as far as my memory serves. I was doing quite a lot of session work, singer first, uh, just singing. For a good long time, uh, I'd say seven, eight months, I came out from New Orleans in 81. I started meeting people right away and started working uh, with, with good folks. But, it, uh, you know, it was a, there was a hustle period in there. Mm -hmm. And then I got uh, in with a company uh, of uh, session players and jingle houses. Mm -hmm. They hated to be called that back then. And probably still do if, if, <laughs> if it's even going on anymore. Right. And one of the main guys in town was a guy named Ron Hicklin. And he had a company called HLC, Hicklin Lebinsky Company. Mm. And they were the heavy hitters in town. And there was about 10 or 12 of them. Uh, Don Pystrip, Pystrip Music, Jeff Cause, Hum Music, on and on like that. And I was singing and you know, uh, someone called up from the casting company hmm. and said, I got your name through Ron Hicklin. I got your name through Don Pystrip. I got your name through Jeff Cosby. It was kind of one of those deals. Your name keeps popping up through these producers that you might fit this bill. Uh, we need a voice for Michael J. Fox. Mm -hmm. What we think like he would sound like if he sang. Really? You know, just a little raspy. And, yeah. And I was a few years older than him. I still am. Uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, except, you know, we're dealing with time transportation here, so maybe he's younger than me. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> nice. Anyway, so um, the thing was, was, uh, and he would probably be from somewhere like Ohio. Mm. And I was, you know, really, I had a real thick, Southern New Orleans accent uh, at the time, sang on purpose uh, more soulfully. Mm -hmm. And 
especially a cover song like Johnny Be Good. Yeah. And, and they said, and it's just to come in and do this, and you got to know right away, man, you're not going to get credited. So that was decided from the beginning. We're going to keep this a secret. The thing was, which I thought was really neat, and I I find out uh, the longer I stay in the business and the more uh, opportunities I get to do this type of thing, is he was very smart, Michael J. Fox, to say, let's have somebody Mm -hmm. play. Because he can actually play. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, He can't play as well as he does. Who's right. playing in the movie? That's Tim May, but he can play, and so, and I'm sure he can sing a little bit. But he he was the one who said, "Look, just have a, a guitar player and a singer to do that part, and mm-hmm. I will, you know, mimic it. I mm-hmm. will, you know, just uh, copy it. Yeah, and I'll learn the phrasing and and everything else, and uh, as long as it." Sounds right coming out of my mic, my mouth. I'll leave that to you. Nice. So, uh, but I will just, you know, pantomime it. Yeah. Okay. So that turned out to be great because we could just do whatever the hell we wanted to do. Sure. And uh, and then they edited it however they wanted, and Michael came out and shot to that after I'm sure living with it for some time. So that was going to be another question. They had. Had they shot the movie yet, and you were singing to the visual of his performance, or did you record it no, and then he mind you? That part. They 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 shot the mu. I mean, they recorded the music, and it was a guy named a wonderful man named Bones Howell, hmm. and he was the composer. And uh, uh, well, um, Alan Silvestri was the composer, yeah. but. As far as placing songs and things like that, like, you know, the Ballad of Davy Crockett, mm-hmm. up for that period of the 50s. And then Harry Waters and, you know, was the band uh, Starlighters or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. Marvin Berry, yeah. They build it on the album, on the soundtrack, as Marty McFly and the Starlighters. Right. And then on the actual vinyl or cassette back in the day if you looked close it would say marty mcfly is mark campbell oh see okay i never owned it back then that was all bones howl got it he got as a matter of fact after i did this and it was about oh i don't know probably two weeks later he called me up personally and said he was livid he was like he was so mad hmm and I was like, no, no, brother, I knew what I was signing. And mm-hmm. it's like, you're not going to be credited because that was the, I was trying to do my job, you know, is not get found out. Really? Yeah, so you were okay like, with that? You were okay? I had a recognizable voice. That yeah. Nobody would go, hey, that's Mark Campbell. I just didn't want them to think that's fake. Right, right. And, you know, I remember actually seeing it at a, a, at a theater in L.A., not the grand opening. It had been open for about, I don't know, been out for a couple of weeks. And uh, My mother had flown out from New Orleans to visit for a while, and I said, hey, you want to go to the theater and see it in the mm-hmm. theater? And, you know, just show her a treat in Hollywood. Sure. And uh, I remember there was a couple in front of us that, because you get so enthralled in the movie. Yeah. It's such a good movie. It's the best. I was forgetting that, oh, my scene's coming up. You know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So when you recorded that song, were you in the room with a with a band, or were you in a vocal yeah, booth yeah, by I yourself? I it live. It was... Uh, you did? Yeah. Uh, we were, it was at Group 4 in Hollywood Studios, right? Just right off of Hollywood Boulevard. I think on, it's on Wilcox or somewhere. It might not be there anymore. You know, and, and, and sessions and stuff, when you're doing as many as we've all done at my age and you're still fortunate enough to be doing it, mm-hmm. they kind of collide who was on what. I yeah. know it was Tim May on guitar. Okay. I would really, I know I sat in that lobby kitchen area of Group 4 with <clears throat> Hal Blaine on drums. Really? Yeah, and I'm not trying to drop names as if I'm trying to remember who the 
who the rest of the guys were. So because we're all kind of spread out in a room. Yeah. So is Hal Blaine playing drums on that song? Yeah, you know, and it was like, um, because I remember sitting in the kitchen, you know, when you got a couple hours to kill. Yeah. And him telling stories in that kitchen. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I was at that studio for more than just Back to the Future. So yeah. um, maybe, I'll, maybe I might have that wrong. But, uh, well, still, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah, it, you know, you could probably Google that up. You know, I'll have but, to. Uh, but I know it's Tim May because we've actually, I did a, a 30-year tribute. Hmm. And, um, and he was asked to. Okay. You know, anybody affiliated with the, with the uh, with the movie at all was asked to come in that week and raise money for Parkinson's and the Michael J. Fox Foundation. And, yeah. You know, God bless him. I mean, you know, uh, we were, you know, we yeah. crawled there, so it didn't matter. It was yeah. Like, yeah. Cool. So, uh, um, I, I didn't know. Okay. So do you know, um, were other people up for the part? Did you have to compete to you know, get that? I don't, I, I'm sure there was, but I was not, I was not ever uh, given the info of like mm. who it was. Okay. And I mean, did you... It works. You just, you, you just, on a, on a, listen, you know, it's, it's Spielberg and, and uh, Zemeckis and yeah. all of these people, Kathleen Kennedy and Bonetown and yeah. It's like, yeah, you don't, you don't just give it to somebody. Right. So did you have to audition? Now you were, you were saying all those people were putting in a good word for you. Did you ever go to like Bob Zemeckis? There's a audition room, but it's for singers and it's you and four other people. Or do you know, what yeah, was the time between? I came in and sang for him, but you know, like I remember every gravelly voice singer is still one of my friends. If they're alive here in LA and they still live in LA, that's great. I know them all, you know, Dave yeah. Morgan, Mike Finnegan, Michael Lanning, uh, Sherwood Ball, rest in peace. Uh, mm. All of the, uh, you know, Lee Montgomery, the, the, the raspy blue eyed soul singing guys. We all competed against each other. Sometimes some, uh, you would just know that that's their voice. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's like a commercial or something. You'd say, oh, cool, that's Finnegan, man. Oh, you know, that's yeah. good. Yeah, okay, cool, that's great. You know, yeah. It's like brotherhood. But uh, I, I never saw anyone at the studio. I know I came in and auditioned, and they say, hey, thanks so much for coming. Appreciate yeah. it. But I know that when I got the call and they said that, we're looking for a guy, you know, mm -hmm. voice. and they all had mentioned my name, which I just loved wow. hearing that. I, I'd only been doing session work for about, I don't know, that point about a year and a half. Hmm. And I'd only been with Jack Mack going on two years and I'd only been with Jack Mack about a year. Wow. So, um, to be selected and yeah. then to get the call back and say, you're up, dude. You know? <laughs> and I had no idea except that it's about a kid who goes back in time. Huh. And um, I was like, this this is going to be fun. And yeah. it's that shit from that TV show, um, right. Family Matters or whatever. Right. <laughs> Family and Ties. I, and I was like, you know, we were all so busy. We couldn't watch any of that sure. stuff. We were all playing gigs and somewhere, you know, and I didn't. But I knew it, and when I did see it, I was like, I, I love this kid. He's got the right attitude. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember, um, like, that day? Do you remember how many how many takes you got? Oh, God, all day. It was all day. All day. It was all day long, and then it was stick around into the night, and hmm. then it was come back the next day, and we're just going to do a couple things. And then it was two days later come back and we're going to do the full song for the for the soundtrack. Hmm. So you had the edited part that they wanted us to do yeah. that they would further edit post-production for the movie. But they were going to cut the full song, all verses and everything, for the soundtrack for MCA Records. Okay. 
When you watch that movie now and you listen to the performance, is it a single take of yours or is it a composite of other takes? Like it's a composite. Yeah, it's a composite. Okay. Uh, I guess uh, like a lot of people, I kind of have a habit of not singing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in a, a full-on uh, beginning-to-end song. Yeah. Um, if I'm given certain, uh, like, because, you know, I did two and three as well, so you were given, like, loops yeah. of things from the first movie and then jump in after that and add something else, you know? And, yeah. You know, that's me doing his voice um, at the high school scene where it's like, He's trying out to play for a battle of the band. Uh huh. Uh huh. Huey's in the crowd with the bullhorn and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, in the gym, and it's, that's me going one, two, three. Really? Uh, so oh. You add stuff like that uh, later on, you know. Uh, yeah. You say, great, you know. Yeah. Say, yeah. You know, we got to thinking about how, how much you do this, you know. Huh. And so uh, then in two and three, they just looped two. But in three, they had me come in and do when he does the dance scene when Biff's shooting at him. Right. And he's doing the moonwalk like like Michael Jackson. Yeah. I did a little, you know. Really? You know, and, uh, <laughs> oh, way. I didn't realize yeah. you were in the other ones, too. That's great. Okay. I'm all. And um, I... I uh, I always say, because we had, I had, um, and Jack Mack had connecting friends with Tower Power and, and Huey Lewis, is that when I run into Huey from time to time to this day, I still walk up and just like, you know, bow down to him. <laughs> really? Because the thing is, is the if you were a Huey Lewis and a news fan back then, uh-huh. And everybody was pretty much. Um, yeah. He did not put those songs back in time and power of love on any other album. Yeah. They wrote it for that movie. Yep. And so he and his, whoever he writes with, I think it's either the sax player or the guitar player. I'm really not sure from the news. Mm-hmm. And typically it's them. I'm sure there's several other songwriters that work inside that band together with you. But they they put that song out on MCA as a soundtrack to Back to the Future. Yeah. And buddy, it took off. Yeah. And if you liked that song and were a fan of Huey, you had to buy that soundtrack. Right. You couldn't find it on another thing. Yep. And I was like, thank you, Lord, and thank you, <laughs> Huey Lewis. He, and, uh, I've heard him mention that even though uh, Power of Love is maybe their biggest hit, it's actually one of the lesser, not lesser selling, but it doesn't, because the albums like Sports and Four were so multi-multi-platinum, that, yeah. and that was just on the Back to the Future soundtrack. It's actually one yeah. of the lower selling hits of theirs, That's comparatively. Exactly right. Yeah. I found a thing um, about, um, as a matter of fact, a company sent me an interesting email about, hey, we found out that the government owes you money. <laughs> and we'll for uh, for the low cost of hundred and fifty dollars, mm. we will do all the paperwork and send you that money within the next six months. Well, I went on, I called SAG actually, uh-huh. and Screen Actors Guild, and I asked them about it, and they said, "No, you well, you can bypass that guy. That's just a middleman, and go straight to, and it was blah blah dot gov, you know whatever." Yeah. And uh, and I looked and I put my name in and all that, and it was like. Yeah, and it was from MCA Records, such and such amount. And there was seven of them, and they totaled up to a really nice chunk of change. And the thing was, was basically, that it was just sitting there because it had gone out of business. Right. And whoever, you know, MCA had gone out of business, and whoever was collecting that in the dead money file, or whatever that is called, Mm Mm-hmm kept seeing and noticing, you know, Mark Campbell of uh, Studio City, California, Mark Campbell of Agora Hills, California, uh, same social and all of that, and they put it all in a big chunk. No way. And I I filed for it, did the paperwork, and sure, as God made little green apples, six months later, <laughs> the money rolled in. It sure did. <laughs> I was 
I was like, you know, yes, this is unbelievable. I, yeah. To this day, every now and then, I'll just go, let me go check that site and see if it's <laughs> <laughs> Did anything else pop up in the meantime? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, other things have popped sure. up, but, with, you know, what's in there is mostly like insurance deals sure. or okay. divorce deals or, or uh, real estate deals and so this was like uh, a totally different thing. This yeah. was like royalties on stuff, Good for and you. it was it was stuff that was like still still being sold in Japan and yeah. Holland, and and I still get residuals from the from the movie and the repeat for television and all of that to this day. I want, I was going to ask you about that. You don't have to be you know I, this is a sensitive thing. I get it, but. Uh, you don't have to be specific, but because that movie is on all the time and it's so it beloved, is. that must be a decent little chunk of change. You better believe it. Good. Absolutely. Yes. It, of course, degrades or goes down mm -hmm. uh, with every year. It's never going to go back up unless there's some kind of major push. And right. the major push I've noticed over the years is the 10-year anniversary, the 25-year mm -hmm. anniversary. You know, it's yep. all those kind of things. And then they did this huge tribute, and there's these wonderful people, not just the foundation, uh, Parkinson's disease, but also it's almost a Comic-Con level, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. that just love that movie. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame them. I do, too. And, and if I had nothing to do with it, I'd be a fan. Right. Um, it is definitely way up there, if not at the very top of my highlight. I agree. Career. That's and, great. Uh, um, uh, I now, mean, all of those people, and I'm so honored to have my name mentioned with yeah. the likes of Spielberg and Zemeckis and Michael J. That's amazing. Just all of them. What a, you know, what a lucky like break. A, amazing time in history, and the people love them. Yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, they know all about it, and we, we get into conversations at Sometimes online, sometimes in an airport, you know, I mean, stuff. You just like, yeah. they know everything there is to know about. Oh, yeah. I saw a documentary on Netflix or something a year or two ago about, about the, I don't think it was even about the making of the movie. It was about the fans of Back to the Future. You better believe it. And how yeah. obsessive they are. I mean, they, they dress up like Rocky Horror Picture Show. They yeah. dress up, you know, in, uh, in the gear and the, in the look and the, styles and you know the air jordans and the whole bit man and they yeah. and they go in as the character right and and anywhere it's playing you yeah. know and it's and like i said especially when you get to the big number uh anniversaries um yep and anything that's going to be going on they want any anybody and everybody that can take time out of their day or whatever to just you know if you can make an appearance or just show up or or even give a conversation like this just about that movie. Yeah, you know, it's, it's true. And it's I love the loyalty of it all, and I love the, uh, it was the top grossing box office hit of 85, and it's something to, you know, aside yeah. from the financial, you know, wonderful. Sure. Yeah, that's great. But it was such a good movie and such a good squad of people. Absolutely. And, and musical, um, lesson learned in california because you got to remember i was i was just 30 years old but i had had a full-blown career down in new orleans mm. as a club singer but nothing like this right. this was like a shot out of a rocket you know? yeah yeah um one more sort of business related question i had um yeah. had a guy named randy hall on here who was who performed at the school dance in the movie Camp I Me Love. So yeah. um, he was telling me again, you know, just high level, not specifics, but yeah. there's a, you make a royalty on the song being on the soundtrack, but then because he appeared in the movie, he gets an extra kind of line item of royalty there too. You, the yeah. fact that it was your voice, do you sort of get a actor's royalty as well? Or is it just no. the music royalty? No, because I was non-credited, I get a royalty, hmm. but it's, it's, um, it's, I don't know the, the terminology of how it all works. It's, it's on my stuff. Okay. Well, that's fine. But I don't get cut, uh, any money or paid more okay. for anything 
but because I didn't get the credit. Got it's it. It's more like uh, the lady Margaret Whiting and Marnie Nixon and those ladies yeah. back in the mm-hmm. 50s who did all of the, the singing voices yeah. for all of those beautiful actresses that didn't quite have the voice of those two sure. ladies. Sure, yeah. And, uh, like our lady, I've kind of, I've kind of done that uh, a, to a degree. Uh, mm-hmm. I was the voice of uh, Harvey Keitel in uh, a little great movie, but it didn't get the funding it should have called Finding Graceland, where oh. it was Harvey, the, his character thought he was Elvis, or maybe he uh, was, you know, the movie led it to, yeah. maybe he was Elvis, maybe he was an angel, maybe he was just a crazy dude, and so they kind of didn't want Elvis, because there's so many yeah. great Elvis impersonators out there that could do Elvis way better than me, but they wanted me to kind of be a real guy that kind of sound more like Harvey trying to be Elvis. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, and so uh, I did that, and that's why I was saying it was so hip that Michael J. Fox right. said, do it like this, because Harvey didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Harvey wanted to sing the song and then have me come in and lip sync to him. Oh, that weird. Was hard. That was real hard. Oh, man. Yeah, because he phrased things whenever he felt like it. <laughs> <laughs> I could see and that. And so just kind of funny anyway okay. and then i did another one of a, a movie a long time ago that this movie's barely known it's uh, nick nolte uh in weeds movie oh i remember that i yeah, haven't seen it true in forever. Story. yeah okay. yeah it was a true story about okay. the prison play okay now and, uh, you mentioned other movies um 1985 was a big year for you because of tough turf yes. as well and yeah, you guys actually fun. appear in that. And it's it's a really kind of a, I mean, you guys sound great, but it's a weird musical number sort of out of the blue in an otherwise kind of moody, you know, darker oh, teenage movie. Looking good or tough turf? Well, yeah, the one where Kim uh, Kim Richards dance along, dances, yeah, that's, that's looking good, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that's she's looking good. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, Wilson's You guys sound amazing, but it's a, it's kind of an awkward musical number in the weird in the middle of an otherwise yeah. kind of teenage yeah. movie. How did that happen? And you must have been thinking. I mean, 1985 was a big year for you. <laughs> you know, it was uh, it was off and running. That's for sure. I mean, we were having a blast. But to to bring it back to one other thing you had mentioned about is that a composite or is that a oh right. You know, when you look at Tough Turf, now you're going to realize, and I'm glad I get to tell somebody this, <laughs> I don't sing that many whoos in a song in my life. I would never sing that, you know. Uh-huh. And, and But because I was the only one performing to a track live. Oh. The rest of the guys weren't playing live. They were lip syncing mm-hmm. to the track. So... I sang to the track, but we must have done 50 takes that day and the next day and the next day. But every time I sang it differently. Oh. And when they edited it, they let them, it was like, you might as well call that song Woo. <laughs> and uh, I was always like, God, I just wince every time, you know, I'm like, ah, you know. Right. I mean, 
it, it brings back such wonderful memories, and one of them being that, uh, let me tell you, the whole band was hanging out with Robert Downey Jr. and, and, and uh, Spader. Yeah. The deal is, we walked away from the second, third day going, those guys are stars. Really? You knew? We did. It was like so incredibly obvious yeah. that like these two kids have got it. They're just the nicest kids, a great, lot of fun. And, you know, when you're 32, 31 years old, 30 years old, whatever I was then, and you're hanging out with guys that are 19, 20, 21, to call them a kid, you just feel kind of crazy because mm -hmm. you're just a few years older. You're 10 years older, but that's a lot of big space. Mm -hmm. But they were, like, super respectful to us almost as elders. Mm. And, and we were rocking L.A., man. I mean, you know, we were we were doing very well and blessed to be LA's, you know, uh, quote unquote, um, party band sure. playing a lot of rap parties for Hollywood and, and all of these things. And we were doing the, the Lakers, uh, I wondered about that. anthem at the okay. Lakers games and people's weddings and people's, um, you know, high high named, um, high profile people's weddings, people's p private parties, their mm -hmm. kids' bar mitzvahs, just anything else, and and it was all like a big party crowd, and we knew all of them. We had That's amazing. we had a backstage pass, you know. It was yeah, it was a blast. But those two guys, and I'm not lying, it was obvious. Spader and um, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, there was no. They doubt. had it. Really? Oh, huh. no doubt. I wondered about Everybody that. I talked about the, uh, Kim Richards, and she was a nice lady. I'm not going to say anything at all, except the fact that Robert Downey Jr. and Spader way outshined everybody on that. Yeah. Show. Okay. Yeah, I wondered. Um, and yeah, Kim was so hot back then. And then she didn't do much until the Real Housewives or whatever it was. But. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and it took me. I, yeah, like again, uh, I'm not really up on television. I am now. Uh -huh. I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm digging Game of Thrones and stuff. I have my little shows, you know, that right on. Like, that's with. But uh, back then, I didn't know, uh, yeah. you know, where what she was doing or where she came from. Or I kind of knew. I remember the uh, when she was a little girl, and then there's the movie, yeah. and then somebody had to tell me. She's on uh, Real Housewives. Yeah, Real Housewives, and I think social. So her sister as well, right? I think so. I've never actually. I don't actually watch any of those shows, yeah, but I yeah, heard about I it, did. and because I remembered I her from my childhood, I kind of. Oh, that's good to know. You know. But. Yeah, and so I I saw it on one day and went, wait a minute. Okay, they were all sitting at a table. Yeah. And I was like, I think she's supposed to be on this. Which one? And then I was like, wait, that girl looks like her, but she's got brown hair. Oh, okay, that's oh, her sister. Got it, yeah. And then it was, there she is. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I was like, well, good for her. You know? Yeah, good, whatever. Getting a whatever. paycheck. So do you know how, were you, this is really fascinating to me, you mentioning all this, like, Hollywood party connections yeah. were you sort of were you guys the maybe more affordable tower of power or something were you was it because you were local how did you get in and it, uh, was it that well, in was, that led to tough turf the thing was was uh bits and pieces of it there were several different things to answer your question about the, the pay i think i know that we were in their pay scheme as far as like paying playing for like Oh, Harris, Tahoe, mm. and stuff, you know, because we had numbers that management would let us know what they were paying, like, you know, the bus boys, mm -hmm. you know. And, of course, Huey just stopped. Right. You know, he stopped playing the places we were playing. Because why? <laughs> He's going to sell out, you know, the yeah. Superdome. So sure. it was like, uh, and, and, all, and all of a sudden, like, uh, friends of mine, like, uh, uh, Richard Page, bass player oh, for Mr. I love Richard he, Page. He was there one day and then he was gone. Yeah. And then I saw him, we were doing a Mattel commercial of all things together. 
and it was for Ron Hicklin. And uh, and I'll bet you any money, uh, I believe that that was out of loyalty to to Ron Hicklin. Mm. That when you know uh, we were all you know just like struggling yeah. singers. Now we were making good money as session singers. All of a sudden, his band, Mister Mister, blows up. Oh yeah. my God! Yep. And so, uh, so but the other thing was was that we actually would be playing here in in Hollywood or or in Los Angeles somewhere or in the closest vicinity at all of the major nightclubs. Uh, we had to, you know, kind of, there's an unwritten rule of, like, bands in a city this big. You know, you can you can play, like, say, the Valley. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to play for us on Saturday, don't play the Valley. Like, if you're going to play for us in Hollywood on Saturday, don't play the Valley on Friday. Mm. You know, like, don't play the Palomino on Friday. Okay. You know, give us a week. Yeah. You know, just so we can, you know, so because believe you me, certain people uh, wait until you cross the hill before <laughs> they'll go into the valley. And uh, that's the way it was back then. It was the 80s, man. Yeah. And so what we would do is wherever we played, we always found people that were like up and comers like, and I, I really hate when I have conversations like this. I really feel like I'm dropping names like crazy. That's the fun part. Do it. That's what we want to hear. Uh, but I don't mind saying this because it was a blast. Good. We were at Palomino one night, and Bruce Willis came in, and he was uh, just just then hanging on uh, moonlighting. Yeah. And everybody loved him. And yeah. there happened to be a bachelorette table of uh, uh, <laughs> girls partying with a, with a girl who was going to get married in yeah. the next couple of days. And they were right off stage right there. And he came in the back, and I said, I said, David Addison. <laughs> <laughs> because I'd, I'd seen he had been plugged so much. And, sure. You know, uh, he knew a lot of the same folks that I knew. And, that you know, Glenn Fry had produced the first album before I got in the band. When, oh. you know, and so. Uh, Cardiac Party? Yeah, Cardiac that was produced Party. by Glenn? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I have that. Yeah, man. Okay. <laughs> Put the key in ignition. Put your foot on the floor. Disengage transmission. Hear my muffler roar. Just try to stay out of trouble. My mother called out to me. But I don't know. Cool. So I thought Max would have told you about that. We didn't. But, we talked more about his solo stuff after Jack. I, but yeah, I love Max. I mean, I I I truly looked at Max like, uh, okay, he's leaving the band. And JB, the trumpet player at the time, said, "Yeah, you want to audition?" And I'm like, "You've got Irving Azoff mm-hmm. as your manager. Mm-hmm. You've got Max as your lead singer. You've got Warner Brothers as your label, Blue Moon." Yeah. Warner Brothers. Glenn Fry produced your last album. What in the world do you think I can do for you? And he was just like, just keep it going on, brother. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, well, you know, it's Max left. It's not Max is leaving. Mm. Max left. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying that is a bad thing. That's just, that's the way time worked out. Sure. And so they said, because I love Max. I said, man, Max is a phenomenal lead singer and a hell of a songwriter and a great front man yep. and showman and everything else. And I, I, he's a, I'm a fan of his. Yeah. And so, uh, and now I'm a friend of his. I mean, yeah. I'd like to 
consider he calls me friend as well. You know, he's with, like with the God. sweetest man in the world. He, he had, is, he's been man. friendly and with me I, ever I, since. Everything he does, he 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 really uh, has a major impact on it. If it doesn't turn yep. to gold, yep. and for why certain things that he did get involved with, like thirty eight special, and then and then came Brand back, Funk. I'll never know, and I'll never yep. judge, and I'll never ask. But man, you know that was a phenomenal hit. It sure was at the time. Uh, yep. But anyway, back to your thing. It's like Glenn and 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 people like that had more of a I got to meet Glenn when we opened for him on tour. Mm. Jack Mack went out during the sabbatical when they when they broke oh, up. Oh, got it. So when when Glenn was having this, hey, I'm having a pretty good solo career yeah. here. He is on out. Yeah. He put together a rhythm section and then he wanted to use heart attack horns. Mm. And so what we did was we Timed it with the PGA because he liked to play a lot of golf. <laughs> and Glenn was kind of straightening up his act very well and doing very well, thank you. And he uh, he went and did a tour of mostly Florida. And he timed it to where he played every three days. And what they did was Payne Stewart and Phil Mickelson, not Mickelson, uh, Phil Jacobson, mm-hmm. had a band called Trout and the Flounders. <laughs> it was all golfers, professional golfers. Yeah. And they would get together and go play this uh, benefits and stuff. And they they figured out, if we put together a tournament with the local CEOs, and then we put together a concert that night, and I have Jack Mack and Heart Attack open it, and then we bring in as the second band, you know, Joe Walsh, and then yeah. the next night's Jimmy Buffett, and the next night's uh, Dickie Betts, all down in Florida. And we just tour around on like three buses. Mm-hmm. We could, you know, raise a lot of money for um, uh, Alzheimer's, mm, which nice. is what Glenn Fry's dad had. And oh, okay. A lot of people, that's why I'm real fast to uh, people that like to cop the dude and say i hate the eagles man mm-hmm. you know it's like you really want to talk about that you really mm-hmm. want to start slamming these guys let me tell you that's great the real guy yeah and fry was a wonderful guy that's anyway great. I got good to know so his friend was bruce willis and so mm-hmm. bruce comes into the palomino and he goes in the back and he's got this belt of harmonicas mm. and i was like you can play that <laughs> he's like I'm pretty good and he was just this sweetheart kind of um, shy dude that, that made it kind of endearing to him you know? yeah I bet uh, when somebody acts that way around you like you know you're not going to embarrass me are you David yeah. you know I was just giving him shit because I'm kind of I'm one of those guys too back was I was really that way back then uh-huh. and uh, very cocky and he was like no 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 man it'd be fun I was like how about six three four five seven eight nine Wilson Pickett can you play that and he said well he's in it so I got the guys with him and we were like cool this Amazing. is a blast I'm looking forward to it and then when he got up on stage and he felt that thing that all lead singers who stand in the middle of that thing that Jack Mack is. Yeah. And I saw him like buckle. Really? I loved loved the guy. (laughs) It was like, welcome to our world, brother. And he played his butt off. Now, he can't really sing. He'll even say it. He's invented a new style of hollering. Uh Uh-huh. That's good. But but he... He could, I, I used to say, I said, you ain't just going to suck and blow on that thing, are you? <laughs> and he said, no, I'm playing. And he played harmonica like he would not believe. Wow. And, and boy, listen, when I said, ladies and gentlemen, I have a special guest in the room tonight and this table right over here, you're going to love this. And I said, from Moonlighting, the one and only Mr. David Addison. And, and I said, Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. And they brought him up. place erupted. I believe it place erupted and then he stayed up for a couple of songs and then he got down and he had a little small entourage with him it was a couple of friends from new york and um they 
had a blast. And so yeah. they made the rounds for two or three years. They even came and saw us in Aspen. Aspen was kind of a hangout for L.A. back then in the yeah. 80s. You know, Glenn was there. Don yeah. Simpson. Okay. Yeah, it was all, huh. all the actors slash singers, musicians that, you know, had semi-popular or very popular hits in that era, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they would come there, and they would come up wherever we were and uh, get up and sing with us. It'd be like Jim Belushi and... Right, you know, those guys. All that, you know. Okay. Now let's kind of cut to some of the present. I mean, you guys, I want to make sure I talk about Back to the Shack because it's so good. It's your, it's the Max most recent album came out a couple of years ago. What's it like? I mean, you know, the music, as you know, the industry has changed. Um, when you make music now, do you do it out of love? Do you do it for the fans? Do you do it because you have to? Do you do it to stay on the road? What What's the motivator these days? Well, the motivator you hit it the first one off. It's it's because we want to, we miss it, you know, we love it, we love yeah. to write. Uh, it's mostly, if not all, um, the last four CDs that we've done. It's Andrew Kastner, Bill Bergman, and myself writing all the songs. Really? Um, yeah. Um, Max wrote one of the songs off of the Soul Meeting. Believe that I had my doubts. It had been such a long time since we had fallen out But we both just stood there thinking Trying hard to figure it out He started to laugh and I started to grin What was that all about? What is done is over and through Still there's one thing said to be true you can find a new love And hope that love will last You can go undercover Change your name, I guess You can start to run Till you run out of gas But you ain't gonna find a new last No, you ain't gonna get Then we used uh, Aretha Franklin's sister's song, um, mm. Ain't No Way, uh, about on, on Back to the Shack. Yeah. Uh, simply because we wanted to do it uh, from a male point of view. Ain't no way for me to love you. Yeah. Let me I said there ain't no way for me to give you all that to me If you want Let me give you all of me Now you know that a woman's it's the help and love her man and That's the way it was planned Good one. Then I found out later on that Michael McDonald had done it And damn, he killed it, of course <laughs> Of course he did <laughs> And um, But uh, still, it was like <clears throat> No, we get together, and when we play, it's because we want to. It, But the other side of that is always we love to play, and yeah. we would love to answer our fans' request to come on out to New York again, come yeah. down the East Coast, come on out to you know Miami, whatever, uh, run through Kansas City or run through Chicago. We're like, absolutely. But these days, even though the the – the pieces have changed. We still yeah. have 10 pieces. Yeah. And thing is, is it's four. You got drums, bass, guitar, keyboards. Then you've got two horns, sax yeah. and trump. 
then you've got two girls. Yeah. Background singers helping me out and, and doing lead singing, but it's all in the vein of soul and R&B. Of course. Back to the shack, we just, because we were asked to by a bunch of people that were willing to put up the, uh, the venture uh, to see if we could do it, it's just kind of slide it a little more instead of R&B to just blues. Mm. But but still be our be the band still be who it, we are yeah so that's why we kind of started writing shuffle type feeling things for back to the shack at the same time paying tribute to all of our you know yeah I mean Soul Meeting's got you know Detroit and Philly and Stacks and Muscle Shoals and all of that on it but you know. There was a life before that with me down in New Orleans, man. I mean, 16, 17, 18, 19. I was listening to, and singing Elmore James. Yeah. I was singing Bobby Bland. I was singing Greg Allman. I was singing uh, Howlin' Wolf, you know, mm -hmm. um, T-Bone Walker. I loved all of that stuff. But my thing was, was, I don't know, you get to a place where you're like, damn, I mean, you know, these guys are, were like from the 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. You know, this mm -hmm. isn't like to people today yeah. that that who grew up listening to the Thompson Twins. Right. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's sure. kind of a little different. Yeah. You know? So I was like, man, I'm a Sam Cooke fan. That's that's the main thing you need to know about me and singing. Okay. Because I grew up on Sam Cooke, and in still in my eyes, there is no better voice. He's the best. Pop for pop R and B. Yeah. And uh, dance and soul party music. I love Sam Cooke. Yep. And uh, then there was a list after that, you know, and it's like Wilson Pickett and Otis mm -hmm. Redden and Eddie Levert from the OJs. Right and on. Marvin Gaye and, you know, the whole list, man. Sure. And then I took in some people like, you know, Greg, Greg Allman and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and uh, Paul Rogers. Yeah, and there Patty you go. And, you yep. know, all of that, all that good stuff. Plus, I. Living in New Orleans, I was surrounded by singing royalty in Louisiana. Absolutely. You know, it was like uh, yeah. Jerry Fisher, uh, Luther Kent, Dwayne Yates, uh, Gigi Shin, Jerry LaCroix. You know, I mean, Jerry Count Jackson. It's like these were all my peers by like five to seven years older than me. Yeah. So I had this major influence of Blue-Eyed Soul right there in Louisiana that I could go see after my gig or before my gig. Right. And uh, I was just like, you know, entranced by these people. That yeah, music right. is so soulful and you guys are so good at it. And um, I, it, it's interesting. I talked to Emilio from uh, Tower of Power recently. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we were talking about, and you can probably relate to this too, about the, 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 what a logistical nightmare it can be to get all those guys, you know, travel plans for all 10 oh, members God. of the band. And that, yeah. I mean, can you, I don't even know, can you make a living as the lead singer of Jack Mack and the Heart Attack these days? No. Or do you, no. So no. what do you do? No, Mark? I'll just be, I'll be flat out blunt with you. It's got to be like this. It's, it, it, it's, well, that's what I was leading to by telling you that 10 pieces in the band. Yeah. You got to have, you, you just got to logistically, like Mamie said, you got to look at it like, Ten, 10 flights. Yeah. Yeah. 10 rooms. Because nobody over the age of 20 wants to stay with their buddy. No. <laughs> in a hotel room. That's so true. It, you know, I yeah. don't want to see the sax player walking across uh, my room in his underwear. Yeah. No way. You know, I don't want to hear anybody whine about what's going on at home. You know, it's, yeah. it's got to be a place for you to go relax and get away. Agreed. And, uh, I mean, I, you always love the guys in the band, but after a week, man, you've heard the same joke three yeah. times already. It's so true. <laughs> you know, it's just crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a tough thing to do. And there, there has to be uh, major, you know, uh, back in the, in the uh, I mean, you know, the steak and potato days, back in the really, really nice days, we were flying to Europe and stuff, and, mm -hmm. and what you would do is 
some big corporation like the M Corporation that had Merrill Lynch and all of these stuff, they would they would have a really nice fat big check for you mm. to play their right their party. Yeah, and corporate then, party, right? Corporate then, engagements. Yeah, and then you you know it would be like uh, <laughs> we have an inside joke. We had a manager at a time that used to say would say good pay and they'd say oh lobsters and limos <laughs> and so we started saying how's the pay and they'd say lobsters and limos nice uh-huh. and so that became a private joke of ours but the fact of the matter is is that you'd come in for that one date and then you would tell everybody yeah everybody in the neighborhood if you flew into zurich and they put us up in bergenstock and we played this party in bergenstock then Three days later, we needed to play a club in Zurich. And then mm. two days later, we needed to play a club in Copenhagen. And then mm. two days later, we needed to play across town at a festival in Copenhagen. And you booked it around the time of all the festivals. Sure. Mm-hmm. There's like this three to four week uh, window where the weather's beautiful in Scandinavia and throughout Europe in that area, Germany, Switzerland, Austria. And everybody comes from all over the place. And there's, you know, there's Montreux, some, I mean, uh, Montreux, there's... Uh, Zurich? Yeah, and, uh, you know, the Femurin Festival, and, yeah. and, and Rothschild, and uh, right. Cool Jazz Fest in Helsinki. And there's all of these things, and everybody from every, every kind of music, it's like New Orleans Jazz Fest, it ain't just yeah. jazz. No. So if you, I mean, so what do you do? I mean, are you, uh, do you do something other than music to pay your no. bills or do you well, live off back you, to the future money? Why do you do it? You no, know, I've always been blessed that I can perform and write and, and do session work. And okay. so the thing that I've got going on right now, which is a really nice, sweet blessing that I've been doing for about 20 years, but it's, it's just not stopped, is mm. voiceovers. Really? You do that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what I do the most these days, uh, bless their hearts, is Fox Sports. Really? So I can be the guy telling you while you're sitting on your couch on Saturday morning, getting ready to watch the U.S. Open. <laughs> uh-huh. In a golf tournament, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'll be the guy that has that two-minute spot. Really? It tells you about Shinnecock Hills and all of that stuff. That's you? No yeah. way. Yeah. Wow. And uh, the writers down there are phenomenal. So they line me up with stuff that fits my cadence and stuff. Yeah. They, they they know me well enough, and, and they go, we think this would be – it's a NASCAR piece. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I need you to bring your – southern voice in there <laughs> just call me dega they call me dega you know like uh, i'm uh, caladega racetrack right and i'm telling you what happened in turn three <laughs> back in back in 77 you know and stuff like that and so they just use me like that and then what's really funny is my agent uh for voiceovers only is um called dpn and they all the stuff that they made me lose like get rid of that uh-huh first 15 years i was in town uh-huh. they're now saying bring that all back i bet i bet they because need character fashion, yeah fashion you know look yeah. at all these redneck shows they've got yeah you know swamp people and you know, <laughs> <laughs> all of this stuff and so right. and, and then the cajun thing came in you know and i'm, I'm kind of like a, a new orleans boy that can just mimic that stuff uh-huh uh-huh. And so uh, there was a show called, uh, instead of Texas Flippin' Move, it was called Louisiana Flippin', flippin Move, about mm-hmm. taking houses and flipping them and selling oh, them. Again. Right. But only, see, down in, in down and around where I'm from, or in New Orleans, which has got a lot of water. Uh-huh. So you got to watch out. You know, and, you know, I, I, I just yeah. became like the guy that was narrating. That's amazing. Show. That's and amazing. So, I, yeah, I'm doing that, and, and that, between that, and just like everybody else in America, I hope Knockwood for a good long time, retirement yeah. showed up, you know, and, yeah. and I'm not retiring, but I'll take that money. Yep, yep, I hear you. <laughs> I hear that. 
and then and then the band does well enough, you know, for you know, like uh, guys that we are, and and uh, Billy's got like a, a mega tracks. Uh, it's a uh, music library. Andrew uh, uh, sells songs uh, as well. He's got a writing partner for a different style of music altogether, and uh, kind of he likes to lean a little towards Paul Simon and okay. uh, James Taylor. And, that kind of bag, and uh, although he's an incredible blue-eyed soul rhythm guitar and and lead guitar, get the guitarist, and he's he's fantastic at his job. I love working with Great. Drew, and then Bill Bergman's a, a sax blowing sob, and he just did the latest Smokey Robinson CD. That's amazing. Mm. Well, look, uh, Mark. I mean, I've I've been dying i've always loved jack mack and i've always loved the back to the future and i didn't know until recently that you were this one and the same and so <laughs> i thought it would be just be really fascinating to hear your story and so i'm so grateful that you talked to me thanks so hey, much John, it's been a pleasure i've got to ask you man is that last name of yours is that is that got anything to do with louisiana that's uh it's funny you asked me that. Max asked me the exact same question. Well, you see that X on the end of <laughs> anything, do. man. You know? Yeah. Uh, no, we are. It's French. It's more from the Canadian side. My okay. ancestors were. Well, you know, French Acadian. Of course. Is Cajun. So, sure. you know, you're just the northern cousin. Exactly. But no, my uh, my ancestors came through Canada, not through Louisiana. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. Well, we're all, you know, we all feel like we're related when we see that X. I know. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> thank you, John. Well, thank God. you, Mark. There you have it, Mark Campbell. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I loved it. I, I mean, as you know, I can be really nerdy about the minutiae behind the movies that I grew up on, especially the soundtracks. And so I thought, what better person to bring on here than Mark Campbell to hear about that whole story and to get to know him? Excellent, excellent stuff. Now, I want to close it out with another Jack Mack song. There's not that much music in this episode, unfortunately. But if you like that, again, that roots-based soul music with horns, check out Back to the Shack. This is another track off that album, Standing Before the King. It's great. Uh, now, next week, again, I'm not 100% sure. I'm still waiting to find out if I'm going to be talking with someone from New Edition. Uh, that's in the works if that happens that will probably be next week's uh episode and if it doesn't happen uh next week's episode is going to be another soundtrack from the 80s based episode with a with an oscar winner i may have just given away who it is but anyway come back next week that's a fun one too huge thanks to my right hand man yan the man for all that you do thank you buddy you guys can find us on facebook like the page Send us a message, send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod, and we put out new episodes every Tuesday. We'll talk to you later. Way ahead, son. Man said to me, I said, I'm not.